like I just want to say it, like Frederick, I'm sure you can confirm this too, that as archaeologists, we love talking about what we do and we will happily talk your ear off right. about the things that we are interested in, that we're working on because we like them and we want other people to know how cool and exciting these things are too. So the idea that, you know, oh, again, like big archaeology and there's like this weird shadowy consortium of archaeologists who are hiding information. It's like, no, you have literally never met an archaeologist because we will keep talking forever. No. You will know that you have met one. That's uh, for sure. I'm Paige. And I'm Megan. And this is Spooky Science Sisters. Hello, you're listening to Spooky Science Sisters, a podcast where we present to you a science-based and probably very giggly discussion on all things strange and unusual. In this episode, we are finally tackling everyone's favorite, or I guess I should probably more accurately say most hated, pseudo-archaeology topic, ancient aliens. And to do this, I am joined by two what we are calling substitute sisters today, since Paige is not with us, archaeologist and television producer Annalise, who has been on the show before to talk about the ancient Egyptians, and archaeologist and host of the podcast Digging Up Ancient Aliens, Frederick. So I'm really excited that you guys are here. You guys are way more experts at this than me, so I'm excited to hear your perspectives on this. But first, Annalise, do you want to reintroduce yourself, remind people who you are, what you do, and if there's anything new to share since we had you on last. Sure. Well, like you said, I'm Annalise. I'm everyone's friendly neighborhood archaeologist and a TV producer. That's my day job. And yeah, I don't think there's actually been anything new really or notable since I was last on. I don't actually remember when it was because it seems it was a million years ago. Um <laughs> I think uh, at the time, maybe I was working and then had the winter unemployment season, which is totally normal for TV production. And now I'm working again. So it's back to the chaos. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then Frederick, I would love for you to introduce yourself. Um, in particular, I would love for you to take some time to tell us a little bit about your podcast, what inspired it, your background, stuff like that, because I'm very interested in it. <laughs> Sure. So I'm Frederick from Sweden. So if I get some accent or say some weird sentence because I translate Swedish directly to English suddenly, be prepared. But um, <laughs> I have a background in archaeology. I studied it on a small island in the Baltic Sea called Gotland for about four years focusing more on the Scandinavian Iron Age, uh, the later so Vendel and the Viking Age especially, and more towards how kids were perceived in that timeline. But I started my podcast Digging Up Ancient Aliens because during the corona uh, lockdown and everything, I sat at home and started to think, what can I do to combat pseudoscience? And I can't really go and give medical advice because I'm not a doctor. That would be a bit unethical. <laughs> that doesn't stop a lot of people. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it stopped me and I'm happy about that. <laughs> but uh, then I thought, maybe pseudoscience archaeology. And uh, unfortunately, back then, uh, the podcast um, 
that I really liked wasn't really putting out any new shows currently. Now they're back with a different host, but then they, Archaeological Fantasies, then they were on a hiatus. So I felt I can fill some shoe there, but I don't want to do exactly like they. But I heard mm-hmm. about this ancient alien stuff and I, you know, met it a few times. It can't be too bad. And then I start to watch it. And I haven't really been myself ever since. <laughs> <laughs> it does have that effect on people. And I love how the COVID lockdowns in 2020 were the thing that inspired both of us to do things. Uh, it's like, that's what started the my adventure with like making little videos and putting them on the internet. I mean, it started with Instagram and then it moved to TikTok. But I love that that's how it started things for you too. Uh, same here. Yeah. <laughs> but I felt it was... Even if I had this idea, maybe I should start something, you know, the misinformation, everything Mm -hmm. during the COVID pandemic got so blatantly obvious that I realized that we need to have academics and scientists and people in between being out there and putting out better information because people Mm -hmm. are interested in, you know, listen to it. And uh, when they're curious, they should find good sources on top of all. (laughs) Absolutely. Other, you know, there's a bunch of ancient alien podcasts out there. Everyone is pro-alien. So, you know, it would be something (laughs) (laughs) to balance up uh, somewhere in between. Yes. And we have talked about this on this podcast before, how for a long time, uh, academia has been sort of separate from the general public and a little bit inaccessible. And there's this idea of the ivory tower. And yeah, it's so important to have people bridging that gap to the public more and more. And we will get into it. But like, yeah, my my whole opinion is that like stuff like ancient aliens, like that's sort of just like, that becomes, I don't know, it, it feels to me like a turning point in everything that's going on right now from like yeah, even absolutely. the the anti-vax stuff the distrust of science like we're gonna there's gonna be a lot of rage this episode <laughs> yes yeah yeah and the crossover <laughs> is quite interesting you they come with medical advice in the show i don't remember exactly what episode oh, no. but they bring up for example <laughs> that the uh, People that have mental health issues, for example, uh, delusions or uh, vocal uh, hallucinations uh, or auditory hallucinations, actually is being contacted by aliens. Oh, no. So, you know, (laughs) they go into all the areas. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's, It's a very wide and deep pool of... Uh, for lack of a nicer word, crazy, Um, (laughs) that gets delved into. (laughs) Yeah. And so you have been, I guess, more or less going sequentially through the show, addressing sort of specific episodes, or has that shifted? Or how far have you made it? No, I started with the first season. And each episode was one and a half hour. So I realized I need to split those up in two because... It was rough with one and a half hour episode and try to break it down because it's so much stuff in them. Yeah. And they really go, there's one thing, there's one thing, there's one thing. It's like, you know, they prepared for an audience that's uh, super high. So they need to have something to catch their attention every two seconds, basically. <laughs> uh, otherwise, they lose them. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I was a lot angrier in the first uh, few episodes because I think that's normal when you... You know, you watch it and for the first 
season, I had to stop every five minutes and go <laughs> go around a little bit and talk angry to myself and mother. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely have to budget in yelling at the TV time. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to have it. But now I'm having a bit more uh, friendlier approach when I got uh, used to it. Is maybe the sad word, but uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. gotcha. Yes, well, I I can relate. I think we tried. We did a couple episodes early on on the Skinwalker Ranch. I don't know, whatever is going on out there. And that the TV show (laughs) had just come out like when we had started. So I was like, Paige, we're going to watch this. And we're like, talk about all the things. And I think I made it like, I think I made it like two episodes into the show and was like, I cannot take this. Like, there's just (laughs) no way (laughs) I can watch this whole thing. Even that one is just like a bunch of dudes running around in the dark, right? Like, it's not even a a ghost show where it's like, oh, maybe a door closed or like there was a spooky one. It's like, no, it's just like guys in the dark. Yeah, like periodically they're like, oh, weird gas or a light or a A lizard or something. A radiation (laughs) or something. And it's like, what are you? It's just a bunch of idiots running around. But it was so frustrating and just like in in the end was just a whole bunch of nothing. And I think Paige made it through all the episodes. I think I watched the first couple and then I was like, I'm just going to watch the finale and like see where this ends up at the end of the season. <laughs> and yeah, I don't think I missed anything doing it that way. We, we have a term for that in the industry and that's a nothing burger. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Okay, well, um, before we jump into, I guess, the meat and potatoes of it all, we could do something spooky. So um, I'll make Annalise go first because she's had to do this before. But Annalise, (laughs) has anything spooky happened to you lately? No, I think I made it through the entirety of spooky season um, without anything spooky actually happening. Um, Okay. So I am sad to report that there have been no spooky happenings. (laughs) Uh, and Frederick, has anything spooky happened to you recently? <laughs> hmm, not really. Or I work currently at a tech company and we're not firing people. That's a little bit spooky. Hey! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> <laughs> they must have made the correct sacrifice to whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever uh, the, the, the god of uh, budgets and HR to keep right. everyone on staff. <laughs> Yeah, the HR staff is deep into the occult, you know, with all the candles. <laughs> Again, if it works, it works. <laughs> um, great. Well, I also have not really had anything personally spooky happen beyond, you might notice my voice sounds a little bit funny, because I have a cold that I think was sent straight from the depths of hell, and I'm still recovering <laughs> from that. <laughs> Uh, I do think, though, it is worth noting, because I'm sure we're going to bring it up on a future episode, but the whole, like, spy balloon shooting down UFOs. Like, within the last 24 hours. (laughs) Yeah, there have been multiple in the U.S., like, is sort of wild Mm -hmm. and is, like, sort of a weird coincidence that, well, I mean, like, the UFO community on Twitter is just, like, losing their minds. Right. Um, but also our pal Giorgio from <laughs> the crazy-haired aliens meme fame and ancient aliens is, like, really having a field day oh, on Twitter about it. So I think he is, like, convinced that this is for sure, you know, this is the aliens coming back <laughs> to visit it. us. <laughs> 
yeah, that's a that's a weird a weird coincidence for this episode, and uh, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it yet. It's going to be interesting <laughs> to see how it plays out over the next few days, or if it will just sort of be nothing. <laughs> Honestly, I don't blame the aliens if they came all this way for the Super Bowl because, like, R- Rihanna is back. It's a big deal. So, like, I don't blame them. <laughs> Yeah, it's serious business. <laughs> it's exactly. It's like th- those were some like hard tickets to get. So I, I get it. Yeah, Frederick's just over here. Like, thank God I am in Sweden and like not dealing. <laughs> yeah, I'm just having a brush up with this uh, American centric view of everything. <laughs> it's like an sorry. <laughs> no, it has like- always come to America. There's tons of billions of people on the world but america is the center for everything yeah, <laughs> yeah like that a, is a, a great point evil <laughs> screech at the moment just to like yeah yes <laughs> um <laughs> yeah of all the places yeah. like you're not coming here we're terrible yeah um <laughs> okay so we'll get started with just some like basic info about the show and the ideas that I guess birthed it and pseudo-archaeology as a whole. This will sort of be more of a general overview of things, discussion of things. We will get into like some specific sites later, but yeah, I think if we did the whole thing, like you'll you'll see the history of this is very lengthy and very, there's a lot. So it would be impossible. Like, Frederick has a whole show about it because you you need an entire <laughs> podcast to like truly do this all t- justice. But there have been 19 seasons oh of <laughs> Ancient Aliens uh, with the 19th season like just having started up in 2023. 225 episodes. <laughs> it is produced by Prometheus Entertainment, which like, of course, that's the name of it with executive producer Kevin Burns, which I think is a little funny to me because it sort of sounds like a budget brand, Ken Burns. The first two seasons ran on the History Channel. And I think, like, and maybe I'm not remembering, but I feel like it was sort of the first of these types of shows to really mark the downfall of that network. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) No, that, that is the timeline right there. Right. Because everything past that just sort of goes insane and goes downhill um it did get moved over to h2 which is their secondary channel and becomes like the flagship channel on there i admittedly watched the first two seasons on netflix with my husband like i don't know over a decade ago now (laughs) when i was in grad school and like here's the thing i remember that we were totally sucked in and super into it and like I remember being like well this is a history channel show so like there has to be some legitimacy to this and like obviously that's part of the reason that it's dangerous Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think first season was a bit better on masquerading like a you know history type of show while in the second season after they've really gone all in on the aliens mm-hmm. because they have a lot more credible scientists um, in the first season but then they realize what you know happened with their quote mining and all of that and that they i don't remember exactly but i think the show was intended to be a you know a science versus pseudoscience type of thing at mm-hmm. first during the production it changed more towards 
this uh, approach that they took where the theory is that ancient aliens are real and then they look for evidence to support it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have insight on exactly what happened because I worked on season two. <laughs> that, was, that was when I started working there. So, oh boy. Um. Yeah, Annalise has got the inside <sighs> scoop. So like, obviously we are going to bother her to like relive that traumatic part of her I'm TV ready. life. <laughs> So yeah, what do you what do you want to tell us about uh, working on the show? What your experience was? What your role was? What happened? <laughs> well, uh, buckle up. Um, <laughs> I think this is the first time I've properly talked about this in a public setting and something outside of just like you know to friends and family and maybe like you know industry colleagues and stuff like that. Um, it was not good. It was uh, my very first sort of proper job on a television show and that was coming on the heels of several months of unemployment so I was I was ultra broke at the time and I had literally gone from you know yelling about yelling about the show to my then boyfriend now husband um you know because I was channel surfing one night and I saw that it was on it's like oh my god this is garbage what is this ah to literally getting an email the next day um, from them, uh, because they had come across my resume, it had made it to their office, and they were looking for people. Um, they were looking for researchers and, you know, people to work on the show. And because I had less than no money, um, I kind of <laughs> had to take a job um, so I could pay my bills. Yeah. And yeah, so season two was what I, what I found myself in. And uh, yeah, like you said, the season one, the episodes were like over an hour long um, because it was meant to, it was originally meant to be like a one-off, you know, special with air quotes, uh, which is why the episodes, there's only a couple of episodes and they're so long. And it was meant to focus on the Eric Von Daniken stuff, you know, his bibliography. And then just kind of that very, that very general. And, you know, at this point, almost gentle, uh, you know, aliens in the Bible, you know, kind of thinking, which back then was like, not, crazy crazy dangerous but just sort of like regular little crazy um (laughs) and then it did so i guess so well ratings wise which you know i i have no idea honestly what constitutes (laughs) good ratings um but like i guess it did well enough that it got picked up for a second season and they kind of panicked because they were like oh wait (laughs) how are we supposed to like, what are we supposed to talk about? And not only did it get picked up for a second season when it was meant to be kind of like a one-off special, they were asked to create more episodes. So it's like, okay, we have we have to double the amount of episodes. What do we put in those? How do we fill the time in the airspace? And when I say we were scraping the bottom of the barrel to try to find <laughs> topics and stories that could, you know, potentially fill up an hour of television, like it was hard. And yeah, that's why it started going a little off the rails because it's just like, you know, we were trying to find anything, literally anything that could have, <laughs> you know, a couple of minutes of narration and maybe some photos to fill the time and pad out the episode to make it work. So it was, it was desperate. And I, again, we were scraping the bottom of the barrel being like, oh, Oh my God, how are we going to fill all these episodes? And that's why the topics got a little bit more ridiculous. And, but it was still, 
it wasn't still fully off the deep end. It was like in the pool, swimming around, but it hadn't really gone <laughs> off the deep end fully yet. And it was like, even then, like looking back on the the episode topics and the ones that I worked on specifically, it wasn't, it really hadn't gone dangerous just yet. It was silly. It was, you know, it was ridiculous. It was silly. It was meant to be entertainment. <laughs> um, right. It hadn't really fully gone off the deep end yet. And it that was like a more gradual process that occurred as time went on and it kept getting renewed for season three, season four, five, six. It's just like, what do we do? <laughs> How do we <laughs> fill all these things? And each season there would be more episodes that would needed to be done. And so um, one of the things we would do is we would go to the, the, the crazy people websites and look to see what people were talking about and to see if it was something that we could turn into, you know, something within an episode. So it's like, what, what are people on, I'm trying to, oh God, what were the websites that we'd go to? We'd go to abovetopsecret.com because um, that was like <laughs> message boards um, of anything from like, you know, tinfoil hat, the government's coming to get me stuff to aliens to random other stuff. So like that was a good source that we'd always check. Um, I think Crystal Links was another one when needed to get a little bit more sort of woo-woo about it. Um, and, you know, things would sort of go off from there on tangents. And again, it was, there, there were a lot of uh, sort of good old standbys that they always liked doing. And I think that's like jumping ahead on the, the, the outline, which is they always love talking about things in South America. I mean, yeah, big things with big rocks. <laughs> Things with things mm -hmm. in South America are always like a good topic to return to. And then, yeah, I mean, I can only imagine how outrageous it is now, 19 seasons deep. Um, because again, in season two, we were just like, oh my God, how are we going to fill six episodes? I think it was, or maybe more, I forget. Yeah, that answers a lot of questions. Yeah, it was like six episodes. Yeah, it was six episodes. Everybody had two because, you know, we work in teams. And so it was like one one researcher, an associate producer, um, I think a story producer, you know, we, we all kind of work in teams together, then everyone would be in charge of two episodes. So yeah, there were six episodes. And we were just like, how are we going to fill all six episodes? <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was... Uh, it was it was a time, and um, I feel okay talking about it now because I've had a lot of therapy. Um, because oh. I definitely came out of that experience <laughs> with some really really bad PTSD because it was a horrible toxic place to work. I mean, the aliens were the least of the problems in that office. Oh no! Um, <laughs> and yeah, I feel okay talking about it now because yeah, therapy has really helped. I can I can talk about it and think about it without having an anxiety attack, which is lovely. Um, and uh, Kevin Burns died a couple of years ago, so I feel okay talking about it now. Um, oh, geez, yeah. I didn't even know he died. Oh, so yeah, now yeah. I feel bad making fun of his name. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that happened. So it's like, you know what, um, I feel okay about it. But my immediate co-workers on that job were some genuinely lovely people. There were some terrible people, but there were also some genuinely mm -hmm. lovely people because for TV production and even stuff like this, it's literally just a job for 99% of the people in the office. Like it's just a job. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're all contract. We go hmm. from, we go from job to job. Sometimes you're there for, you know, a week, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, you know, you're just there doing a job and you try to do it to the best of your ability and move on to the next thing. Like 99% of the people in there did not really 
care about what was going on. It's like, yeah, it's silly, but you know, whatever. It's a job. It's a paycheck. You know, Mm -hmm. it'll keep me employed for a couple of months. That's cool. That's really all people kind of focus on for stuff like that. And there were a couple of people there who, you know, some of the some of the subjects would be like, oh, you know, oh, that's interesting, or oh, I never never really thought about it that way. But like, no one there had really like consumed the Kool Aid. I think that maybe came later (laughs) because. I remember checking a couple of years ago when just just to see because I think I think it was the first time they announced that they were doing that like alien con convention and I was curious to see if any of the people that I worked with way back then were still there and a couple of them were and that actually made me really sad because it's like guys there's there's so many better things out there like why (laughs) why did you stay here it's not even that good like doesn't even pay that well (laughs) yeah so for you it was like very much like this is just a job and I need a paycheck there wasn't there wasn't really like a a uh a sense of like I'm gonna go in and like try to change the narrative or try to you know make it not so crazy (laughs) yeah it it was uh yeah mostly I just needed a job um and then I realized that it's like okay well you know, this could be a good learning experience because I'm I'm an archaeologist, um, but here mm-hmm. I am literally like in the belly of the beast. Um, I can see how it yeah. works and how this all happens, which, you know, would hopefully provide uh, some kind of insight as to like, yeah, how and why a show like this gets made. And I realized very, very quickly that because I was so low on the like production ladder, um, researchers are basic, depending on the production, researchers are often just a step above uh, PAs, production assistants. Um, so mm-hmm. it's usually treated as an entry-level job, and you really have no power at all. Um, gotcha. So the mm-hmm. most I could do was just make sure that, like, the names and dates were correct. Um, <laughs> and I'm, my my joke is always that with, it, with like, every sentence of narration, half of it would be true. Like, the first half of the sentence would start out fine. You know, it's a real place that really exists. You know, here's a real, you know, date in history. And then it would just go off the rails. Um, so <laughs> yeah. At the very least, I tried to make sure that the names and dates were correct. Um, and that the correct images would be shown on screen when things were being talked about. So yeah. that that was the most I, I had the ability to do. Um, but yeah, because I was so far down the ladder, it's like I had I had no power to uh, make any decisions, to change anything, and you know that's that's just how it goes. It's like it's not up to me. It's always up to um, the people who are working above me, and mostly just the executive producer and the network. Those are the ultimate decision makers. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a valuable perspective to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really appreciate you talking about it, especially <laughs> if it's like the first time since yeah. that you feel comfortable enough to address it in public. So I'm hoping there's not like an NDA or something. That we're gonna I mean, like, honestly, at this point, after everything that's happened, like I, I, I don't care. Like it's, you know, it's been, you know, so far, so far in the past, like terms have expired. And then with everything that's happened in the industry yeah. since then, you know, with, you know, all the sort of, um, you know, me too and times up stuff. It's just like, you know, the NDAs aren't doing anybody any favors. And if I can save one person sure. listening to this from working at that office, then my job will have been done because I want to make sure that nobody, especially people who are just starting 
in the industry. And there, you know, there's a lot of bright eyed, bushy tailed, optimistic, um, you know, recent graduates who have, you know, maybe moved to LA to work in the industry and they see these job postings and they think, yes, this is it. This is my first job. Don't work here. <laughs> Do not work there. It's not <laughs> worth it. It is not there worth you it. Go. <laughs> Save yourself the trouble and the trauma and find somewhere else to work. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure it's been really helpful, you know, moving forward for you now that you've had a chance to process it. But now that you're doing everything on TikTok and everything to where you're going in and debunking, you know, things that people say that that are incorrect about various aspects of, of archaeological finds, I'm sure that experience of working on that show and knowing exactly how those things are going to get twisted around into something spooky or mysterious or conspiracy theory like has helped inform your own content that you're making oh totally absolutely because I learned how to write that narration and like that was something that I had to do um for for, you know part of my job requirements like every now and then I'd have to come up with some narration to help with uh writing the script and like help help the producers that I was working with. Cause as they say, we all wear many hats. Um, you only get <laughs> yeah. for one, but you wear like six. Um, you know, it's like, if, if you give me a minute, I can get back into that, that narration voice and just spit out an ancient alien style, you know, could it be, um, <laughs> some experts say, um, and you know, that's how they get away with it. Cause it's all presented as, uh, open-ended questions and, you know, it's not factual statements. It's open-ended questions. Right. Right. That's great. Yeah. And I do have to mention, I loved your TikTok video that I came across yesterday. I don't know. My mind is like a haze of cold <laughs> medicine at this point. But where it was something about the the timeline of when the pyramids were built oh, versus yeah, yeah, like yeah. when the Romans were visiting. But I love that your opening was like, first of all, the Romans didn't discover shit. And I stand by the statement. <laughs> uh- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I was like, you know, that's a good point. But it's like one of those things where, yeah, like that type of language and that type of presentation matters so much. Mm. And yeah, like, and I'm I'm sure Frederick has noticed this as well doing a podcast, but, and, and you have more of a background or you have an actual archaeology background, but I've had to sort of relearn and reframe the way I talk about a lot of these things because you've been fed these narratives about like the way that ancient peoples behaved or what they were capable of. And, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's been an interesting process. I've learned a lot. (laughs) My archaeology bullshit detector has gotten significantly better. (laughs) That's great. Okay. So I guess Frederick, so you, yeah, you've been going through the show, you're doing this podcast on it. And I guess for lack of a better word, we're going to say favorite, but what would you say has been sort of your favorite topic or episode that you've covered so far on your show? And and why is that? <laughs> Ooh, favorite worst or I don't well, think yeah, <laughs> favorite worst, whatever. <laughs> What's the most egregious thing they've done? <laughs> I mean, it is from season two, I hope, and at least didn't work on that one, but uh, it's called Aliens and the Third Reich. Oh, that was not me, thankfully. Uh, (laughs) That was the guy who sat next to me. (laughs) And it was uh, very strange. I thought it was something I was going to, you know, knock out of the park in the afternoon, and I thought, you know, I will bring in a comedian, and we will just 
blew this episode off and make it easy for myself. And then there's a name that pops up, uh, Jan van Helsing, mm-hmm. who is an active uh, Holocaust denier that they just oh, quote no. in the episode. And I just realized, <laughs> oh no, I can't really take the route I had planned. <laughs> so I had yeah. to go in and then there's just popping up uh, a lot. There's uh, another pair of literal Nazis, not quoted in the show, but they build a lot of a uh, segment on the show on their writing without telling you about it. So there's uh, Norbert oh. Jürgen Rathofer and Ralf Ettel, who is two German neo-Nazis who they based uh, the Vril part on. Ooh. So these two wrote a lot about the Vril society from an esoteric Nazi point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they br- it's... Those who that made way. up Maria Orsic, for example, and things like that. Uh, so that was <laughs> my worst. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're like, this is going to be hilariously bad. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> no, this is terrible. Because, like, I think, yeah, so season two, th- yeah, it, it it is, like you said earlier, Megan, that, like, that... What this mm. was sort of like the beginning of the decline of the History Channel. Like it was like <laughs> coming straight out of that, you know, like 10 year period where the History Channel was like only World War II. It was the World War II yeah. channel. So it's like, of course, they had to tie, yeah. <laughs> tie in something World War II related. And of course, like that whole like secret Nazi alien spaceships, esoteric thing was like that was super popular at the time and I'm trying to remember I don't since I did not work on that episode I have no idea how and why they found literal neo-nazis to quote it's possible they weren't out publicly at the time um but I also have no idea because yikes yeah Oh, um, Jan van Helsing or Jan Udo Hauli, that's his real name. He chose Jan van Helsing because van Helsing kills the bloodsuckers. And you know, bloodsuckers, yeah. they are Jews, of course. <laughs> um, and he was convicted for uh, Holocaust denials before uh, his name was brought up on the episode. Cool, um, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> and the strange things are, you know, most of it is written in only German. Mm-hmm. And I have luckily some contacts that could help me with that. So I have no idea how they really got into it. But I think it's somehow either via Childress, who has quoted a lot from Ralph Ettel and uh, Rathoffel. I would believe that 100%. <sighs> yep. Or uh, Van Däniken, who is also relying on these uh, three in his writing, and Van ha- or Van Däniken, as I understand it, also have some loose connections with the uh, old Nazi movement, the esoteric, you know, from the 1950s mm-hmm. Vienna movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so probably from their sources in their books, but. Uh, yeah, they are highly problematic, yeah. and it's problematic never problematic is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah. god! Yeah, thankfully that was not my episode. I did. What did I do? <laughs> Season two, I did underground aliens, um, and then I forget the title of the episode, but basically it's it's the one that first features Gobekli Tepe, um, and so that that was actually my oh, first very uh, nice. instance of finding out about Gobekli Tepe. 
and actually emailing Jens. And like, that's how we first connected and knew each other. And so now we're friends. Um, <laughs> Cause I had to email him so many times over the years. Um, but yeah, th- those were my two episodes. So it's like nice, safe topics about big rocks. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think those two are the ones I had least issues with. Yay. So I think you made something <laughs> right on them. Like you, you can't get too mad at big rocks. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and that's like, good Lord. We, between doing the, we did an Atlantis episode and a few other things, like, there's so much of this that, like, why is it always Nazis? Like, it's, ju- it's just unbelievable how much of this sort of like conspiracy theory, weird stuff, pseudoscience stuff, like, ultimately you end up at, yeah, just like, very terrible very terrible places and like not even not even being subtle about it in some cases so it's it's easy to do (laughs) yeah it stems a little bit from the 1950s when they try to regroup so there's this uh, vienna group that came together and started to talk about these esoteric subjects and try to recruit members from it and then they added the ufo lore to it and from there it start of you know spread yeah, outwards. I think a lot of it is still like that legacy of yeah, the the History Channel being like predominantly World War Two documentaries and shows for so long. Hmm. Um, yeah, and then yeah, that that sort of transition from like you know legitimate World War Two documentaries and shows because I guess you know people want to know, um, and then fading into something weird that was also heavily you know very heavily because it's literally based on the writing and works of eric von daniken who as we know is also very problematic (laughs) yeah right (sighs) and 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 on one hand i i like see i see why they would have done the episode i think because like as far as i understand there was a part of the third Reich and everything like they were interested in occult things. Am I misspeaking when I say that Um, there's some element of that? It depends on who you're asking. (laughs) Okay. Some, some researchers do claim, but uh, from what I've gathered, um, it's mostly Himmler. The rest of them weren't really interested in this esoteric nonsense. For example, okay. uh, anthroposophist was heavily persecuted is wrong since it's just anthroposophist, but um, you know they didn't like this esoteric type of stuff that Himmler was interested in. He wanted a lot of this, you know, um, the lands of Jesus and uh, finding Atlantis and that type of stuff. Yeah, but. Then general, you know, top layer of the Nazi party were not impressed by the, those type of things. Even if it's later has become top part of the mythology, there's uh, a quite great book that I have here in my sources on it, actually. Yeah, Godric Clark, uh, he has two books, The Occult Roots of Nazis and The Black Sun Iron Cult Esoteric Nazis. So if you're interested in these topics, those two books are great, and he's a very good author and uh, quite popular within that type of research. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, that's that's super interesting. But yeah, so my point was just like, I guess I see if if they knew of that sort of 
that there was some sort of connection there that they're like, well, this will be an interesting, like Emily said, we'll tie in the World War th- World War II thing. But it's like, but then like, I don't know. what What is the message we're trying to deliver here? Like, oh, the Nazis were right. Like, Whoa, there were yeah. aliens and they're the ones that figured it out. Like, I don't know. It's just, it ends up being not great. <laughs> in the yeah. end. It is absolutely not great. And I know for a lot of, a lot of the subsequent episodes, because let's see, I worked on season two. I was in... I worked on a different show at the same production company for, I think, like, season three and season four. I think it was long enough to be both of those. And then came back for season five. I don't know. It's. I think my brain has blocked out a lot of this at this point. Um, but <laughs> there, were, there was always at least one sort of, like, World War II slash Third Reich mystical technology episode in every season because that was almost like uh, it was almost like too easy to to put those episodes together. Um, I, you know, I'm genuinely wondering because again, like my immediate co-workers were very lovely people. So I'm, you know, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they literally just did not know (laughs) that many of the people they were pulling these sources from (laughs) were like literal (laughs) neo-Nazis. Yeah. But, and and again, because like the, you know, air quote experts um, like David Childress and everybody um, would, you know, would supply uh, material to be like, hey, if we're going to talk about this, you guys can pull stuff from here, here, and here. And they'd be like, oh, great, perfect. So... Yeah, it's just, oh my god, it was super weird. Super weird, you know, the whole thing was yeah. problematic, of course. But um, yeah. And I think it's also worth taking into consideration that um, because this was such a toxic place to work, people, and again, this was in the before times when, you know, you'd just go to work or go to school, like, deathly ill because you needed to go to work. And so <laughs> when I tell you that there were, you know, days and weeks, when people were at work in the office when they had no business being there because they were so sick Mm -hmm. like I would not be surprised if you know cold medicine (laughs) and illness delirium (laughs) factored into some things because really truly the state in which I saw a lot of my coworkers and myself included I I work through shingles I because like if if your butt was not in the seat you were not getting paid um and you had either and it was a you know it had to be a literal emergency for you to not be at work and even then they'd be like mm, like can you make sure to check your email at least and you know keep on top of things you know from the hospital or something like right. that um yeah oh, so goodness. not great <laughs> not great well yeah <laughs> okay so yes the show is problematic we're gonna talk about it i'm sure more But we can, I guess, shift forward here to just what birthed the show in the first place, because you guys have been hearing names like Von Daniken and people like that. But it's based on the this hypothesis that there were ancient astronauts, which is intelligent extraterrestrial beings that have been visiting Earth for thousands of years and made contact with both prehistoric peoples and those in antiquity. Major ideas as far as I have gathered, which you guys can chime in if I've missed anything, but that deities in major religions around the world were actually aliens. (laughs) (laughs) Any advanced technologies that 
these either, I guess, ancient peoples possessed, but that maybe that we also possess today were essentially given to them or seeded by ancient astronaut visitors. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ancient extraterrestrial visitors built many structures on Earth, like pyramids, megalithic structures, like Annalise was talking about. Some, I think, say that it's humans that are descendants or creations of these ancient aliens, or that we evolved independently, but that we owe a lot of our knowledge and religion and culture to visits from extraterrestrials. That's the basics, as far as I can tell. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, back in the day, like, basically everything was presented as, lots of air quotes, um, misunderstood uh, alien (laughs) technology. Like, pretty much anything could be, you know, explained as misunderstood alien technology or, you know, yeah, like, all deities from ancient cultures and ancient religions were all really aliens, which is why they're always depicted, you know, kind of floating above things and with like magic powers and stuff like that. Like they were aliens. Yeah. Yeah. And you know how they go up and down. That means that they have spaceship. Yep. Yes. Mm Yeah. And I, I'm going to, I have so many thoughts (laughs) on this. So, okay. So that's the, the, the basic gist of this. So this gets, I guess ideas ideas have been around for a while to get popularized in the latter half of the 20th century, so sort of in the 60s, 70s, and then later by ancient aliens, by the books Chariots of the Gods by Eric von Daniken. You guys have been hearing that name. Uh, there's also The Twelfth Planet by Zakaria Sitchin. I guess, though, they potentially pulled their ideas from a paper that was published by or the, the roots of their ideas from a paper that was published by Carl Sagan in 1963 called Direct Contact Among Galactic Civilizations by Relativistic Interstellar Space Flight. So in that paper, he posits that based on the Drake equation, we should have some number of intelligent civilizations within the Milky Way. And, you know, it, to me, it's it seems more like he's just going through this thought experiment of what would, how would a story of ancient contact with extraterrestrial beings get preserved? How would that play out in the narratives and the stories that get passed down by ancient cultures? He uses as an, as an example, how the story of first contact with Europeans gets passed down by Klingit oral traditions after they meant French explorers in 1786 and then you know how that account gets written down a hundred years later by anthropologist George Emmons and in that story you know you kind of get these extra elements of like Klingit cultural and spiritual beliefs but the story itself is accurate so he's like well potentially you could get these oral traditions preserving some evidence of alien contact with someone coming from somewhere in the Milky Way. And I'm hoping that you, one of you can speak on this. He mentions Babylonian stories of the Apkalu, which are fish-like beings who emerged from the sea to teach agriculture, mathematics, and the arts to early Sumerians. And basically just saying like, well, can't say it's not aliens, like, because that's sort of not weird. But aliens, but. <laughs> um, see, that's really funny to me because 
That is such a classic move to one, uh, randomly uh, combine and conflate uh, Babylonian and Sumerian culture as the same things at the same time, so two different things. And uh, okay. I mean, it's a classic. It is a classic move. And then also to assign that to not the absolute favorite for the ancient astronaut folks, which is the Anunnaki, which are, you know, the <laughs> mysterious, totally alien entities that came down in their little uh, little UFO ships, it is depicted, um, and taught the good Sumerian people how to write and agriculture and build things and math and all that good stuff. So it's gotten to the point where that's like a buzzword now. Um and people love yeah. throwing around stuff about <laughs> Anunnaki, which is funny because it's like, guys, that's <sighs> like, tell, tell, tell me you know nothing about the religion and uh, stories of ancient Mesopotamia without telling me you know nothing about it. Yeah, basically. basically. <laughs> yeah. I will not stand for this Anunnaki erasure. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair like i pulled that information like from i think just the wikipedia summary totally. of it so it is very possible that it was not written correctly so who knows maybe he meant what you were talking about i don't know but either way like yeah there there are sort of these like stories that have been passed down about ancient cultures that like yeah, the people just kind of go in and like can't say it's definitely not aliens, but it's like, well, you could say that about anything. Yeah, and I, I, and you're right. Like that is ringing a bell that a lot of people focus on, like the Sumerians. So, anyway, all sounding familiar. Um, the ideas in this paper, though, are later included in a book that he co-authors with Soviet astrophysicist Yosef. Couldn't tell you how to pronounce. <laughs> I should have looked it up. Shklovsky. Yeah, Shklovsky. Aha! <laughs> Shklovsky. Oh my gosh. I can't say it like with my cold right now. I can't. I can barely talk like normal English right now. I'm very sorry. Shklovsky. Yay. There we go. Uh, called Intelligent Life in the Universe. And I think Sagan is sort of later like, oh, we sort of fucked up like putting these ideas out there because, you know, he's like, maybe Von Daniken and Sitchin took these ideas and ran with them and yeah. it's become bigger than us. And this is, <laughs> this was not <laughs> what's the quote widely perceived as a bad idea. Yeah. Some <laughs> yes. influence he definitely had. And a fun thing he's even in uh, the first movie on ancient aliens back in the 1970, Carl Sagan, mm -hmm. but uh, especially Van Daniken pulled a lot more from Morning of the Magicians by Louis Powell and Jacques Berger. Okay. So gotcha. he got a lot of inspiration uh, from uh, this French book published in 1960. Oh, okay. Great. Well, yeah. <laughs> Either way, Sagan <laughs> probably didn't help. But yeah, there's a few things that, you know, get as these things go, things get out of hand. Yeah. And I mean, the show itself, like we've mentioned, like it's all over the place at this point. I'm sure I what I should have done before this episode is watched one of the one of the episodes from season 19 or 18 just to like see where they've ended up because I'm pulling up the Wikipedia right now to see what the episodes are or <laughs> I think they even started a reboot by now. Oh my god, yeah, of course. Of course. Um I mean, you'd have to start recycling i mean they were already recycling 
episode ideas and stories in like season five. Um, so I can only imagine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, throughout the show, you have a few locations pop up and it's quite nice to see Giorgio saying different things uh, about them in each episode, mm-hmm. <laughs> contradicting himself oh, yeah. <laughs> between oh, it's them. Great. It's great. Um, yeah. Uh, the Wikipedia has also reminded me that um, even though, that whole experience for me is nothing but trauma and bad times. One good time oh. came out of it. And that is the immense uh, like career highlight um, that has been seeing South Park and uh, Action Bronson um, make fun of ancient <laughs> aliens. And Action Bronson specifically watched one of my episodes. So thank you. <laughs> thank you and good night. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah, like literally that's the best way to watch ancient aliens. I will just say that. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. And I, so sort of like wrapping up the, the background inf- information on this, and I'm sort of going to skip around a little bit here because as I expected, we have all have a lot to say about these things. Really this whole idea, like it's all pseudo archeology, span which is just a fancy way of saying it's fake. <laughs> um, and it to me, it just discounts all like human ingenuity and creativity. And you know, I do this show, so it's like we do this show looking at like spooky things or weird things, and like what could be the science behind that. And so I see how the idea of like maybe there was alien contact or like there's something actual, you know, going on and to to explain deities or whatever in the past, like I sort of understand why that might be like, that's sort of fun to speculate about. But like we said, it can lead to some very dark places very quickly. (laughs) But yeah, like just also, as we've learned time after time, like people's brains are just inherently weird and they do weird things and we think up weird things and we're creative. And it's not like these people living a few thousand years ago had like significantly different brains than ours. Like they're thinking about things and are capable. Yeah. Obviously capable of a lot of things and building incredible things. So yeah, yeah no, absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's my yeah. little yeah. TED that's talk. Right. Yeah, shout, out, shout out to humans uh, <laughs> about that. for all the creativity and ingenuity because yeah, no, that that's exactly it. That the uh, pseudoscience and specifically pseudoarchaeology it really just erases all of that by saying, oh, it's yeah. all alien technology or misunderstood alien technology. It's like you are just completely negating any and all moments of yeah. immense creativity and ingenuity on humans' parts. And that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And like, while I get that it's, you know, a- appealing to be like, wouldn't it be super cool? Like if we met aliens before, it's like, yeah, but it's also super cool that these people did all these incredible things and built all these incredible things like without having some sort of like supernatural, like extraterrestrial help to do them. So I don't know, like appreciate your own ancestors for a second. Yeah. Like your ancestors were super cool. (laughs) Like don't, don't take away their accomplishments. Right. Um, And as you, both of you know, like these shows have had a huge impact. I guess the 50th anniversary of Von Daniken's book uh, chariots of the gods. I've already forgotten the name of it. Okay. Uh, it's was in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> was in 2018, uh, and up to that date, over 65 million copies of it have been sold. So that is painful. The and sorry, Frederick, we're gonna be uh, 
U.S. centric <laughs> again for a minute. <laughs> but the uh, the annual survey of American fears, which I'm sure like that's got to be a nightmare to oh conduct. Um, but it's conducted by Chapman University and it apparently tracks paranormal beliefs. But the results from the 2018 one said that 41% of Americans believe the aliens visited Earth in the ancient past. That's like a lot that's, of people. That's a lot. I don't think that four out of 10 people that I've met think that. So I'm going to start polling people that I know. 57% believed in the existence of Atlantis or other ancient civilizations. That tracks. Oh, dear. And that these numbers are up significantly from the 2016 results. And I didn't get a chance to find the 2020 results. And I don't even know if they would have done it because, you know, 2020 seems like they might do it every two years, but Mm. But we're a little busy in 2020. (laughs) Yeah. But like, I, I would not be surprised if they, I guess we're up even more, but it's like, that's so many people that and I guess I should know because like I've made videos about things on TikTok like <laughs> about crop circles and like uh ancient alien stuff and just like things calling it out for being for being racist and for being problematic and like so many people pop in and they're like I had no idea that like this was a problem and it's like yep it's not great <laughs> So I don't know. So I suppose I shouldn't be surprised, but yeah, like I were a nightmare. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I'm not too surprised with those numbers, to be honest, for being in America. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It lines up quite quite well with the amount of religious Mm -hmm. people uh, in the U.S. at the same time. So one string things can tie into another in a Mm -hmm. sense. And the the overall abysmal state of the education system as well, that contributes to it too. Doesn't help. Yeah. I understand that you pay a lot for your schools over there, so I guess it can be a bit challenging. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I pay a lot for college. That's true. Yeah, they do. They don't put any of our tax money towards our uh, K through twelve education. No, no. <laughs> so that's part of the problem. <laughs> Public schools. It's uh, it is dire. Um, private schools might be a bit better. Um, yeah, I did not go to a private school. Uh, I can't speak to that. Yeah, uh, in theory, yeah, it be better. Well, and I guess to not be totally U.S. centric, and we have somebody who lives in Sweden here, Frederick. Would you say, like, h- how are these things seen? in your part of the world like is ancient aliens a thing there like do people do, is it even like shown there at all because it's obviously it's a u.s show or syndicated in the u.s so yeah like does any of this is it worth it were just nightmares and the rest of the world's like look at these idiots or like is there some of this happening there as well we we have a ufo movement even if it's not as large and as in the u.s and we consume a lot of American ideas, uh, shows, and everything. So if something becomes popular in the U.S., we definitely get it sooner or later here in Sweden, no matter what it is, uh, for the good and the bad. And people are definitely into this esoteric, uh, alternative history type of things. Mm-hmm. You know, Annalise, you, you probably noticed that, but you know that... Sometimes people ask you what you're doing or what you're studying, and you say, oh, I'm archaeologist, and you get, oh, mm-hmm. 
Have you heard about and they spew some? <laughs> it just, it, oh yeah, all, all the time, <laughs> all the time. Welcome to my show. That's exactly what <laughs> I do. Literally all the time, all the time. So yeah, it's to the point that if you're not sure uh, what type of people are around you, just keep quiet because they are numerous enough to you know you will meet them in real life too yeah i will say though that one of the things i do enjoy doing like if it's like a you know a moment where i'm with new people like new to me people and maybe we're in a social setting and like the planets have aligned where i have like the right amount of energy it's a good day and maybe there's been a drink involved already i I will turn on the Q&A and, you know, inevitably the fact that I'm an archaeologist comes up and then the questions will start just like, okay, let's do this. Keep them coming. I will answer your questions. Let's go. And <laughs> it is such a productive and fun conversation with the right people. Um, yeah. And and that is, you know, that is my, my public engagement for the month. <laughs> but yeah, it always happens. Yeah. Yeah. Which I guess like good on the people who are willing to do those types of things like on you know various live streams and tiktok live and everything where they're like hey just come on here and like ask Mm -hmm. me anything it's like i can't i'm not fast enough on my feet (laughs) i think to (laughs) think about a lot you've seen how thorough some of these notes are like i gotta really think about it in advance if i'm gonna not sound like an idiot (laughs) talking to people about stuff um yeah okay well that's an interesting, interesting perspective. Science, science, science. Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes. Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes! Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes, yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast. Okay, so this is probably a good chance as we're sort of like getting towards the end of our time here just to, I don't know, I just wanted to get some thoughts on like some of these things or maybe just get the chance to ask actual archaeologists like, why are these things weird? So sorry, (laughs) Annalise, I hope you have the energy to deal with like what you do. Let's do it, do it. (laughs) i'm gonna be getting more coffee after this let's do it well i guess before we we get into that like is there anything else that you guys want to sort of like i don't know add about just general thoughts on the show or thoughts on this whole like ancient aliens ancient astronauts concept that we did not talk about i'm just mad that these dang aliens keep following me everywhere i go (laughs) i'm trying to be free from aliens but they follow me everywhere um I'm sorry, Annalise, you couldn't, we couldn't have learned that you worked on the show and then like not made you come back on here, but you could have said no. Like I said, it's like, I want to, you know, I want to tell people about the reality of it. And if I can save one person from working there, then my job is mm-hmm. done because other, other people, especially newcomers to the industry who are just starting and uh, looking for that first job, don't work at this production company. Do not do it. I, I think it's just kind of a, it's, 
it's a bummer that it's gone on this long. I yeah. am, I can't say that I'm a hundred percent surprised. Um, but yeah, to me, it's a real bummer that it's been going on this long and that it's gotten so deep, um, into, um, really genuinely harmful, uh, harmful rhetoric and, um, yeah. So it's a bummer. Mm. Yeah. 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 And we'll, we'll sort of touch on the problematic stuff one more time before the end, but yeah. Okay. So Annalise Yay, we have somebody who actually worked on season two episodes on, like, megalithic structures. (laughs) So, yeah, big rocks that got moved around, and it sort of seems unbelievable that they would have managed to move them. How could they do it? Uh, So you mentioned the Gobekli Tepe. Uh, There's also, you know, Stonehenge is obviously a big one. A lot of times, and, like, I don't actually know for – the Gobekli Tepe, but there's, I think there's like some sort of like astronomical tie-ins to how they arrange things with that. Am I correct? Uh, incorrect for Gobekli Tepe, uh, but correct oh, for other places. Um, because yeah. uh, basically all the big rock stuff happened during the Neolithic period for uh-huh. whatever reason, that was the period of history. And the Neolithic period is, uh, happened at different moments, depending on where you were in the world. So like what is now modern day Turkey, they kind of had their Neolithic moment first um, or like earlier in the timeline. Uh-huh. And then the Neolithic period in England, for example, happened much later. But in any event, the cool yes. thing to do was to take big rocks and arrange them in fun ways. That was the, that was the <laughs> thing that people like to do. And like everybody was doing it. It was the hot hotness. And then eventually people yeah. moved on to arranging other things in fun ways. But yeah, so like, yeah, Gobekli Tepe does not have astronomical alignments, but it's cool for other reasons. Okay. Um, Stonehenge doesn't have astronomical alignments, but it has solar, solar alignments. Yes. Because okay. again, mm. that was the hotness at the time. So that was the trend. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some other sites, yeah. uh, you know, elsewhere in the world, like I know that we featured um, Karahunj. And again, it's one of those things where, you know, now we look at it with like 21st century eyes and we can say, oh, it lines up with this. That's what we are seeing. The question, of course, is was that something that was occurring to the folks back then? What were the positions of things back then? Because things kind of move around a little bit. Um, you know, considering are we are we putting a pattern or an alignment on something because that's what we're seeing? Was that something that the ancient people were seeing? All of that good stuff. Right. Which always struck me as silly because it's like, well, of course yeah. they were seeing it. Like, A, they didn't have all the light pollution that we have now. So... <laughs> Yeah, so like anything with with stars and constellations and all that, like they're going to see everything. And yeah, I mean that's that's the way that people were navigating, like either using the sun's position or to you know, you're telling you're using it to tell some sort mm-hmm. of time whatever. You, it, of course, you're going to make observations around about the world around you and notice yeah. patterns. Like that's just human nature. That's how our brains work. It's what we do. <laughs> it's not that weird. So like that stuff never really struck me as particularly odd. And I'm sure like you guys are like, yeah, <laughs> duh. Like people are just observing things <laughs> because that's what, that's what happens. We learn patterns. That's what they do is they, they call it advanced yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like from what i understand like i think i think in a lot of the like 
circles of like the the recent stat, which I have no idea if this is correct. You guys would probably know better than me. Uh, is like, oh, like hunter gatherers. If you like looked at the amount of time that they were spending on, you know, that part of their life, like the hunting and the gathering, was probably like, you know, twenty hours per week. And it's like, well, you got a lot of time to fill with like you got to come up yeah. with something to do. Like might as well put some big rocks together. <laughs> exactly. Like you need to do something. Why not arrange some big rocks in a nice pattern that is aesthetically pleasing. Right. Make art, do something cool. Like it's to me, some of it is, I'm sure some of it had, you know, religious, mm-hmm. spiritual, cultural significance. Um, I think I had read that the Gobekli Tepe was probably a gathering place for like social or spiritual yeah. functions for the region. I mean, if, if you want to yeah. know about what's going on at Gobekli Tepe, um, just just go follow Jens on Twitter uh, because he works there. Um, that is the site that he works at. The Gobekli Tepe team is all on Twitter and they have everything on their website, Tepe Telegrams. I always tell people to go there so you can just read the information directly from the people <laughs> who work at this site. And yeah, so it was, you know, from, from what's been found so far, and I really hope I'm remembering this correctly. It is, it is apparent that it is a place where people came together for uh, communal celebrations of some kind because there has been evidence of uh, communal feasting, beer brewing, large-scale beer brewing, which I love because mm. it shows that uh, brewing beer in large quantities was more of a priority for humans at that point in time than building permanent settlements. Priority. <laughs> um, <laughs> And yeah, there is very likely a religious component to it. Uh-huh. And that is because from the, the Neolithic period, especially that which is what's called the pre-pottery Neolithic. So that's like pre-Neolithic almost. It is mm-hmm. a wild and psychedelic time in human development. And <laughs> there is no possible way I can do it justice in like a two minute summary because it's bananas. It's right. so weird and so cool and so trippy. And there's vultures involved and bulls are there too. And it is like, it's, it's a giant puzzle that is missing so many pieces, but the pieces we do have yeah. are crazy. And it's just like, I I need a time hmm. machine. I just need to go back and look. It's like, I'm not even going to bother asking questions. I just want to look <laughs> and see what the heck was going on. Because yeah. this is bananas, what was happening back then. Um, yeah. And, I mean, yeah, the, the themes, there, there are themes that are evident in lots of Neolithic sites in that part of the world. Again, like vultures, bulls, that sort of stuff. Um, there's mm-hmm. some, there's a, a heavy dose of ancestors involved as well. Um, but as far as, like, mm-hmm. the specific purpose and the specific rituals that would have happened here no idea absolutely no idea because this was also before people had bothered to figure (laughs) out writing um so rudely they did not write things down (laughs) yes and yes i mean the crux of it is which i can summarize probably badly but (laughs) is like we're talking about hunter gatherers we don't have permanent settlements for you know, for things to get preserved, people are moving things around. Like you're just yeah, seasonal settlements hmm. was the was the thing back then. Yes, so so we don't have that, and we just have these sites like Gobekli Tepe, which you know obviously was more permanent and was important to them. And I guess before this was discovered, my understanding is that archaeologists were sort of under the impression that these types of structures 
were beyond the capabilities of hunter-gatherers living at the time, and this sort of shifted that narrative. So it's like Annalise says, you don't have these permanent settlements to get all this like in-depth day-to-day information about these people without, you know, going back in a time machine. You sort of have these like mysterious quote unquote sites like Gobekli Tepe and you're trying to piece together information from that. So it's like, it's just sort of the lazy way to just be like, well, must just be aliens. Like (laughs) they didn't figure it out. Like it's just weird because aliens. (laughs) So yeah, so the the megalithic structure thing doesn't really freak me out that much because it's like, you know, people are going to find ways to express themselves and do weird stuff. And I don't know, I watch my kid do weird things all the time when she's bored and stack stuff together. Why wouldn't people do that? (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) We're all out there like every time it snows, building snowmen and snow forts and whatever. Like I have no purpose behind doing that. I'm just doing it Mm because I feel like it. Um... (laughs) Anyway, uh, pyramids, would pyramids be considered a megalithic structure or is that like because it's... I think it's just a, uh, just a big structure. Um, yeah. It's just a big structure. Okay. I don't know. More yeah. Like it's individual stones sort of like stacked. Yeah. Yeah. Big individual stone like the men here yeah. or... Um, or hinges. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was just sort of like a dumb, I don't know, question. Because okay. I was like, well, no. I guess the pyramids sort of say rocks, but. <laughs> that was not <laughs> Great. Um, but yeah, I feel like we probably touched on it the last time that Annalise was on the show, but that they obviously feature very heavily in the ancient aliens yes, discourse. Do. And. <laughs> Yes, the fact that they are, and again, you can tell me, do they have astronomical or do they have solar um, alignments? Well, if you look at them now, um, they have astronomical alignments. They align up with the three, or okay, the Giza pyramids. There are a bunch of other pyramids that people always forget about. Yeah, um, right. And again, there are also a bunch of other pyramids at Giza, um, but the three big ones. Um, those line up with the stars on Orion's <laughs> belt. Good for them. We love a good alignment moment. Um, I'm happy <laughs> for yeah. them. And there's a lot of other pyramids, <laughs> both at Giza. There's a bunch of little ones for, like, you know, the queens and stuff like that. There's a bunch further south at Saqqara, and there's a bunch even further south of that at Dashur, because people were building pyramids, and they built them, and they just kind of put them where they had space. Yeah, well, and that's sort of like a classic pseudoscience, pseudo-archaeology tactic, is like, really focus in on like these things that semi yeah like pick and choose what supports what you're Mm -hmm. trying to say and just sort of like ignore all the other evidence like yeah um so that's a that's a big tactic right there and the the pyramids doesn't really line or the Giza pyramids or the big three doesn't really line up with orion if you don't yeah you've also got to move things around a little bit yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh great so it's like sure they line up but you gotta do like a mirror image of them or Which something classic, yeah basically classic pseudoscience like you, you gotcha. up if you move the map around 
Yeah, so there's sort of like some mental oh gymnastics involved in making that work. Like a full a full floor routine of mental gymnastics. Yeah, but I like fully remember from like watching the show initially. And again, this was over a decade ago, but there was stuff about like, oh, if you like looked out this tunnel, like within the pyramid or something, they'd be like exactly aligned with such and such a thing or... I don't know. And it's like, you know what? The sunset aligns with a specific street in Chicago Manhattan once a year. Hedge. Like, it, it and that's pretty Manhattan, cool. Whatever, whatever street that is in New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and no Take one's like, line. oh, <laughs> aliens were Alien. definitely involved Absolutely. in the planning of oh, these guys. No, it's not aliens. <laughs> At that point, it's stonemasons. It's the Masons. Oh, oh, and they have like the ancient mm-hmm. knowledge or whatever, like the Illuminati and the stone no, Masons. No, no. Oh, good and lord! Is, I think you're paid off by big archaeology yes, here. I we see. know <laughs> that the pyramids function as a giant battery to wirelessly charge the yes. UFOs. Oh, yes, that yes. Is also piloted by the <laughs> Knights Templar on their way to Atlantis. Yes. <laughs> Uh, okay, so moving along in the sort of, I don't know, th- these were things that showed up in across multiple articles that I came across while researching for this episode, but that seemed to be sort of like favorites of the Ancient Aliens crew. Uh, so geoglyphs mm-hmm. are, mm. I don't know, large features that are carved or drawn in landscapes that are, I mean... They're weird. I don't know a lot about them. I wish that I had, you know, had time or that we had time to go more in depth. So I guess we're going to have to do like a whole geoglyph <laughs> episode someday. But like I like the Nazca lines, for example, they're weird. And like I think Von Daniken, like that comes from his book, that original Chariots of the Gods. He's like, it looks like a runway. Totally. For- I mean, they, like I said, they yeah. love anything in South America. They love it. Yeah. Yeah. So those are, those are in South America. And they're, I mean, they're huge. Like they're like miles and miles long and they create this. And you can only see them from the sky. What? <laughs> yeah. But like, I, I, I don't know. So, they say that, like, even, like, Von Daniken pr- comes up with this in Chariots of Fire. They, like, latch on to it some in Ancient Aliens. And there was an article by Jason Colavito or a blog post that I read that he says it's funny that Ancient Aliens pulled from it, although maybe not because Annalise was like, we were scraping bottom whatever. Absolutely bottom <laughs> of the barrel. <laughs> um, yeah, but, like... That other people have pointed out, like, this is sort of a silly thing to attribute to aliens. But, like, yeah. they are weird, though, right? Like, why Why are why they so big? <laughs> yeah, you can do it quite easily with rope uh, and uh, sticks. And we've even found uh, strings and sticks in them. So you just oh. need a team and then you measure it out. You don't need to be no. up, even if they're... No, I forgot the name of that team. But there were actually... Uh, couple who made uh, a hot air balloon out of um, uh, fabric that's uh, common within the Nazca people and they actually got that to fly but uh, under very iffy circumstances (laughs) and I'm pulling this out from memory some backup but they got it to fly but it went really bad I think it got loose and just blew them (laughs) 20 miles uh, far off somewhere but um yeah 
you can do it quite easy on the ground and we have the strings we find ceramics and other people but the question is did they use it as some sort of ritual uh, walking mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. part of their you know uh, now I forgot the English word mm-hmm. uh, pilgrimage mm. um, or if it's something else what we're sure about it's yeah, ritual totally. yeah. one of these might uh, <laughs> Yeah, and I guess from that perspective, it's like the whole like I'm like, oh, these are really weird, right? But it's like, well, we're out here. People are out here making crop circles and stuff using you know string yeah, and rope exactly. and <laughs> boards that they're pressing stuff down. <laughs> and so maybe yeah, maybe there's some ritual purpose, pr- pilgrimage, whatever. Like there's clearly some significance to them. But again, I argue like maybe people were just like, this yeah, would be it's, fun. It's an art installation. <laughs> it's just- or it looks nice. Yeah. Yeah, it looks nice. We think this is cool. Like, let's just let's do this. So yeah, so there's those are ones that always stick out in my mind as like being sort of very odd. Okay, and so like the last big thing that I see come up time after time are the which I ultimately again I don't think they're that weird, but the there's lots of petroglyphs (laughs) around the world that look really weird, (laughs) like. The depictions of deities or, you know, it looks like there's a flying saucer coming down to pick people up or (laughs) talk to people, whatever. One specific one that's brought up in the show, I guess, is Valcomonica in Italy. Oh, my God, that's a name I haven't heard in years. (laughs) Which is a huge collection of prehistoric petroglyphs with over 140,000 symbols and figures that were carved starting more than 10,000 years ago and like these carvings stretch over a period of like 8,000 years. And sorry, my toddler just got home. So you guys are going to hear some <laughs> toddler yelling in the background. <laughs> she just got back from swim lessons. Okay. So she's very excited. But one specific one that shows up, which I put the little picture in the notes here, is that I think they've pulled from from ancient aliens. Like are these two little figures and it looks like they're sort of wearing astronaut yeah. helmets. Um, on one hand, I'm really <laughs> glad that they've given um, – all of the uh, Native American uh, petroglyphs a break by hopping over to Italy for a minute. Mm. Um, because I know that's the other mm. super, super popular one they love. Um, yeah. Oh, gosh, I, I forget the name of the site. It's been so long. Um, but yeah, there's all those sites in yeah, uh, Utah Canyon. and stuff like that that have the walls of petroglyphs with the same thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's aliens. And it's like, no, you just aren't <laughs> familiar with the iconography of this particular people and culture. And it shows. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, and they don't have any good method on saying what aliens or what's true and what's not in the petroglyphs. They just you know, select themselves on no real bias other mm-hmm. than it looks weird. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> For example, in Scandinavia, we have a lot of petroglyphs of uh, people uh, doing ordinary things with pietrism. I'm not sure if it's correct English word, but, uh, you know, with... And erections, so we have people with giant erections going oh, around yeah. with animals, plowing the fields. So uh-huh. either the Scandinavian were very into some mm-hmm. weird stuff, or people just draw things <laughs> that we don't really understand like, today. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be yeah, to be fair, I sort of, for the sake of time, skipped over the geoglyph, the Serna Abbas oh, yeah. giant. Which is the one in the mm-hmm. UK, I think, that's got like the yeah, giant erection. It's like a 26 foot tall erection or whatever. Why not? And like to me, it's like, I don't know, this dude must have been somebody <laughs> important to them. Or it's the same as kids like going out and like 
tracing in the snow or whatever with their feet to like make <laughs> giant penises out in the snow that people could see above with yeah, buildings. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I always say like people have always been people. We've literally been like this the entire time. Uh, the stuff that people right. thought was funny back in the ancient day, I guarantee we still find it funny now. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, you know, I know like a lot of the, uh, that stuff with like erections and <laughs> stuff. There's a lot Timeless of, humor. um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's always a little bit funny, but like, it's also, they had a lot oh, of yeah. deities fertility and stuff or like fertility stuff that was related. So, so I shouldn't yeah. laugh about it too much, but like, you know, that inner, inner, like 12 year olds, like, this is hilarious. <laughs> um, so anyway, so yeah, so like there's weird stuff in petroglyphs and I mean, specifically this Valcomonica one, it's like, Sure, they sort of look like helmets, but like in the modern sense. And I mean, whatever. In art, like they draw like halos on angels and religious figures that look very similar to mm-hmm. what these look like. They, they you know, mm-hmm. crowns exist, like traditional headwear yeah. exists for lots of cultures. Like, why would your conclusion be like, I know, that's like, the, that's the most boring conclusion you could come to from all of those things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, ultimately, uh, yeah, ultimately with this and a lot of these things, it's just like, it's just sort of the lazy, easy mm-hmm. explanation to be like, it's just aliens, like, we're not going to put any thought into figuring out, like, what this actually is. Okay, so, yeah, so those are some specific examples of things that, I don't know, over, that I came across several times and just wanted to be able to say, like, this is not yeah. aliens, you guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, which people who've listened to this show know that that's always the, that's always the conclusion. It's never aliens. I don't think we need to dive too deep into this because this has sort of been a theme throughout, but I I guess we'll give you guys a chance to chat about this more if you'd like. But obviously everything with this whole ancient aliens thing and like it's still being perpetuated. They're still making this show. There are Annalise can vouch. There are so many mm-hmm. TikTok accounts that are just like spewing this bullshit. Like it's it's problematic. It's you know, very easily leads to racist ideas and erasure of indigenous culture and just discounting what what they were capable of. And to me, like, yeah, you you it marks sort of the downfall of like the history channel, but it also just feels like I don't know that there was some turning point where it's like it all leads into like distrust of the government, like distrust of scientists, distrust of big things like the coronavirus and and all the stuff. Like it's all oh, connected. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> like we get this. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just such a problem. So I wanted to get your perspectives of like, A, what are the things that what are the best ways that people can, you know, spot pseudo-archaeology, but, like, what do you think is our best move going forward to, like, move away from these types of programs and sort of, like, escape this, yeah, (laughs) path that we're on? And really, one of the answers Mm -hmm. is, like, what we're doing right now, which is, like, talking about it on things like podcasts and making TikTok videos and outreach and everything. But 
Yeah, I don't know. I wanted to give you a chance to vent <laughs> about it, I guess. Um, I think the biggest thing as far as like the the best way to spot something that might be pseudo-archaeology, pseudoscience, is that if it seems too too good to be true or sort of, you know, too outrageous to be true, it probably is. Um, that's, that's mm-hmm. usually the way things pop up now. Um, because you'll see things, yeah, mostly on TikTok and, you know, on Twitter and other, other places around the internet too. Things are often presented as, you know, oh my God, did you know, followed by crazy, ridiculous, outlandish <laughs> fact. And like, again, like if it seems, if it seems outrageous and too good to be true, it probably is. Um, that's probably the best right. indicator, mm. you know, the, that should set off the first flag right away. Yeah. <laughs> I think like call to me, well, if I jump in, like calls to a lot of these like videos and stuff or, or these, these ideas will do a lot to make the person feel like they're like in mm-hmm. on some sort of secret and that like some group, like mm. whether it's archaeologists or scientists in general or medical science is like, they're trying to hide this from you. Yeah. It's someone's keeping information from you. Someone's hiding things from you. And this person who's talking to you uh, has the real information and either they will tell it to you or if you subscribe to their service or pay for their like special lecture or something like that then you will get the real information that's so many red flags <laughs> yeah if there's yeah. a monetary yeah. thing associated with it i didn't mention it earlier but early, earlier in the notes i had seen that this smithsonian magazine article described the strategy taken by the ancient aliens show and i think it's like also a theme in a lot of you know youtube videos whatever things online um, as a gish gallop, which I love the term, so I have to mention it, but was named for creationist Dwayne Gish. Uh, and it's a debate technique of basically you're just like spewing out a lot of arguments very quickly, regardless of their strength or accuracy. So just like overwhelming people with a whole lot of BS in a very short time. So like don't have a chance or like if you're in a debate, your opponent like just can't even you don't even know where to start. get a word in, can't even yeah, yeah, like you don't even know where to start to start like debunking this. Which I guess to some extent is like just how this whole phenomenon feels. Like there's just so much <laughs> bullshit out there. Like, where do you even start to tackle it? But I mean, so I'm a scientist as well, like my PhD is in volcanology. So like I'm always getting people sending me crazy things about <laughs> Yellowstone and stuff and worrying about like insane things happening geologically. And I think the other thing that's important to remember is no no scientist, like no archaeologist, whatever, is trying to hide mm-hmm. these things from you. Like if you mm. want to find out more so many of these people are accessible, are online, like you can tweet at them, you could email them, like you can even email like experts at universities, like and a lot of people will take the time to educate you because like they just want mm. their ideas to be out there. They want to talk to people about what they're passionate about. So that's an important yeah. thing to remember as well. No, 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 that's totally right. And I like I just want to say it like <laughs> Frederick, I'm sure you can confirm this too that as archaeologists, we love talking about what we do, and we will happily talk your ear off right. about the things that we are interested in, that we're working on, because we like them, and we want other people 
to know how cool and exciting these things are too. So the idea that, you know, oh, again, like big archaeology and there's like this weird shadowy consortium of archaeologists who are hiding information. It's like, no, you have literally never met an archaeologist because we will keep talking forever. No. (laughs) You will know that you have met one. That's uh, for sure. (laughs) And something I think worth mentioning on finding pseudoscience just quickly is, do they Mm -hmm. give you any sources? Mm -hmm. Or Mm -hmm. is it more trust me on this? So, yeah. Or, yeah, the other thing is just, like, is every source that they give you sort of like a, a secondary or even tertiary source that leads yeah. back or to Or is it like, no, really this sketchy. is my own research. And, like, is it now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or is it just yeah. a one and a half hour YouTube video? Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Is the research you watched a YouTube video once? <laughs> Yeah, my favorite thing is like people going into my TikTok comment sections. If I do like videos about volcanoes or things like that, or like I've done climate change things, and they're like, "You should do your research." And it's like, "Well, I did a PhD, <laughs> literally so. a scientist on this exact topic." But go off, okay. <laughs> so I did do a, a lot, lot of, of people that. Telling me that that if I'm interested in these topics that I've like made a video on, I should. Uh, watch mm-hmm. a specific or listen to a specific episode of Joe Rogan. You know, if I'm interested oh. in this topic, it's like, oh. my good dude, I have degrees. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather get yes. punched in the face. Um, <laughs> okay. I Well, before we wrap up, in summary, yes. ancient alien sucks. It's a load of bullshit. <laughs> um, there are way more interesting things about ancient culture and people and archaeology that you can learn about from people like Annalise and by listening to Frederick's show and just be vigilant, I guess, (laughs) out there. Um, And be like me and start a podcast where you can convince people like Annalise and Frederick to come on it so you can ask them all your really dumb questions about things that are silly. And yeah. Uh, So, One more chance. Do you guys have any closing thoughts? I also want to give you guys a chance to remind people one more time where they can find you, plug any projects you're working on, stuff like that. Um, I I am working at the moment. Nothing to report just yet. Uh, Just making more TV because I need to pay the bills. Um... I'm on TikTok, as always. The The app has been kind of weird lately, so my videos aren't getting as many views, but I'm still there and I'm still making them. So uh, if you're not seeing them on your For You page, you can just come on over to, to my profile and they're all, they're all there. Um, and hopefully I will have uh, <laughs> more interesting and exciting things to share and report uh, as the year goes on. Awesome. Frederick, how about you? I want to close out on a little thing that... If you see good science online or, you know, post explaining stuff, go in and like and comment on it to push yes. the algorithm up so it yes, becomes yeah. more visible. Yes. Just, uh, you know, gives all your thumbs up, leave a comment, take two seconds, and that way you actually help promote good science yeah. very easily. <laughs> and secondly, you should go to diggingupancientaliens.com to find all the info about me and the podcast and where you can find it and listen. Or my new sneaky thing, you go to ancientapocalypse.net 
And Ooh. you find all that info there too. Nice one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice job. Good job snagging that URL. That's a good Scooping one. Scooping up that That's a good URL. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I found the .com is still available, but it costs like yeah. $3,000. And oh, that's yeah, way no. more than I want to spend. Like a URL day. should be like 20 bucks. We should, start a, uh, we yeah. should start a GoFundMe for <laughs> help Frederick buy ancientpocalypse.com. <laughs> Awesome. That wraps up our episode on ancient aliens. If you liked this episode, hit subscribe and share with a friend. Check the show notes for links to all our social media accounts, our Discord server, and Patreon. If you have any questions about previous topics or ideas for future episodes, email us at spookysciencesisters at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening and stay spooky. Spooky Science Sisters is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information or to check out other shows, please visit evergreenpodcasts.com. I'm Anne-Marie Kelly. Wild Precious Life is a podcast about dreaming big, digging in and connecting across distance, division, and loss. In each episode, I talk with prize-winning writers, musicians, and wanderers who remind all of us how we can make the most of the time we have. So meet me here. Let's walk and talk and dream and discover what it means to be wild, precious, and brave. 